Scene's K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight, Alex Soyan, and Joe Palmer. And on this episode, we're discussing the K-Pop girl group invasion of the U.S. and Europe. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so one idea for this episode came from uh, Alexis's recent article about the Red Velvet tour, where she sort of looked back at uh, the history of K-Pop girl group tours, and it reminded me of an article that Tamar wrote about uh, 2017 that was titled something like Where Are All the Girl Groups? And, you know, she was just noticing it was true in 2017. And it's it's been true up until just very recently that there are very few girl groups touring the U.S. and, and Europe. There have been, uh, I guess we can include uh, South America, too. Yeah. I mean, now that, that you bring up South America, I think they usually have a little bit more I know that Cara toured there and some some other some groups that didn't hit North America and Europe. Yeah, I know Dreamcatcher has been like all over right. South America or something like that. And then Momoland was supposed to be in Mexico. I don't remember if they canceled it or they rescheduled, but they were supposed to go there. Well, Dreamcatcher is actually an interesting example because they toured in Europe last year. You know, they're one of the few exceptions to this rule. And the surprising thing to me was that a lot of their press was around the fact that they were the first K-pop girl group to do a solo tour in Europe. And I'm not sure whether there were groups that did non-solo tours, but that was kind of surprising. If, if true, I wasn't able to find a counter example. Does that sound right? I don't know. Where's our European correspondent? <laughs> correspondent is a, a strong word, but yeah, <laughs> nothing that I can think of. I mean, Girls' Generation had a famous concert in Paris, but they didn't really have a tour that I know yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, SM Tarim was in Paris. There was KCON right. Paris yeah, and then for one FX year. Yeah, then FX performed in, like, something, right? I think that's the, the same thing here in the U.S., where they only have appearances and stuff, and or they, or they are at KCON or other festivals, but it's never a full-blown tour. Until this year that, like, everyone and their mamas are coming for a tour, which is obviously a good thing right but it's surprising just for completeness like a pink had a had a tour in 2016 they did a few cities and i guess the wonder girls did a tour back in the day yeah well the wonder girls like they like they had a legit tour like a over 15 stop tour but i but that's when they were trying to get into the american market so i don't yeah i mean i didn't go so i'm not sure if they did their korean songs because I saw them with um, the Jonas Brothers, and I think they only did their their English songs that I can remember. So I'm right. not sure. Although 2 p.m. and 2 a.m. open for them. But anyway, that's irrelevant. I forgot that. But yeah, it like almost doesn't count because of they were like mounting a, a proper English language American career, which no other group has really followed quite as intensely as they, they've done. So, I mean, yeah, so going from, like, Wonder Girls, maybe 2NE1 did a couple of stops here or there, and then, like, A-Pink, all the way up to A-Pink, which was not that long ago. It's right. like a four-year gap between 2NE1 and A-Pink or something. Because A-Pink yeah. was 2016, and 2NE1 was 2012. And even then, 2NE1 just did two shows, or 
or maybe three. I'm not sure how many they did in New York, but I know they played an arena in where they have cake on in New Jersey. But in right. LA, they played the Microsoft Theater. That's not that's where Monster X did their last show. Like it's not that I mean it's big, but it's not an arena, you know? Which is surprising now that I know where they played in New York because I would feel like they would have just as much fans in LA or even more than New York. I don't know, but and right. Aping Aping played like a really small venue like where everyone start like all the k-pop boy groups they start off and then remember their venue was like the second time got seven went came to la so it was like a medium-sized venue and it was sold out and la had to add another date because of the everyone was going crazy because tickets sold out in like a minute like i had to confirm with sub k because i was like because i tried to get tickets for the first show and i was there for like an hour and waiting in line and it just wasn't doing anything so i was like Ugh, whatever and i just closed it and i had to yeah i asked sub k and they told me like it was instant like i can't give you a number because i would have to check with the with the venue but it was instant and i was like okay red velvet did that <laughs> Well, do you guys have any thoughts about why, you know, a lot of mid-tier boy groups or, you know, groups that have gotten bigger since they started touring in the U.S., but there's there's been a number of them that have that have gone around and done tours and not necessarily, you know, big arenas like BTS is, is doing more recently. But uh, do you think there's a reason? Is it just the type of music or uh, the fan base or what do you think? The kind of mid-tier to lower-tier boy groups tend to have a a similar sound going across them. Not to like, I, mean, I tend to generalize about boy groups a lot, but like, they do all kind of go for like a, a strong hip hop element, you know, a strong maybe EDM element, and that sort of sound is 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 accessible not just in America but like across the world. I would say, and it means that I think if you're generally a K-pop fan, you might like listen to them casually, and then if they do a a, a, ton, a concert in it. And maybe a smaller venue, you'll be like, oh, I'll just, I'll go and might as well if it's tickets aren't too cheap, you know, because I, I saw um, VAV in London back at the start of last year, I guess it was, you know, and I, I quite enjoyed their music. And my, again, my sister wanted to go, but um, they played quite a small venue and it was actually fairly empty, um, which I was sad to see, but Again, I would say there was maybe a small group of 20 or 30 um, like actual VAV fans, and then the rest of us would have been fairly casual enjoyers of their music. Right. Whereas, you know, compare that to sort of the mid-tier to lower-tier girl groups, they can have much more polarizing sounds like the A-girl groups or the, you know, kind of more weirder takes on that. And that tends not to appeal to a larger audience, especially in the West. So like, even like, like I think about A-Pink touring, you know, at that time I wouldn't have gone to see them. You know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of theirs. And I think it wouldn't really make sense for them to, to tour because they don't have a particularly strong international fan base in the first place. And they don't appeal to casuals almost at all. You know, which is, it, it sort of makes me think about 
I imagine if, if Twice did a, an American tour, you know, you'd say that Twice and Red Velvet are pretty similar. If if Twice are not even more popular than they are in Korea, right? But if they came over and did a, a, a big tour in America, I don't think it would do as well as Red Velvet would do because they don't have that sort of diversity and range of sound that Red Velvet does. There was an interesting point in the article that Tamar's article that you mentioned that. It was a quote for um, the CEO of YG Entertainment's USA company or whatever. And it said that the K- the female K-pop acts who tried to make it in America a few years ago, so Girls' Generation and Wonder Girls, um, 21, they did so because they were, because of their local success in Korea, rather than like an interest from the local market, so like the US. So I think that, even back then, there wasn't that appeal to groups like Wonder Girls or um, Girls Generation. And now the groups are, you know, they're like, quote unquote, big here, like Red Velvet and Blackpink. It is that that they, I guess, I don't, they have, they share that like individualistic in like, as far as you can say individualistic in K-pop, of course, but they do have, at least you can like, how to say this without being mean <laughs> even if packaged you could like say you know like the, the spice girls thing like this is a sporty and this is the this and this is the that and i guess that's what america like the western market likes and i don't think unless you were like a really big fan of girl generation and wonder girls you wouldn't get that at like just the first look and i agree that twice doesn't fit into that 100%. But I do think that they have a large enough fan base here that they could tour. And I mean, I think it's safe to say that they probably will tour this year. I mean, because they're like the number one girl group in Korea and Blackpink and Red Velvet are here and they're doing pretty well. So they have to come. Yeah. And why don't we just see if we can go through the groups that are that we know are touring. So uh, Oh My Girl did a tour. They did uh, some smaller arenas and then they went to uh to south america after the their u.s tour i guess they didn't get up to canada red velvet is touring right now i guess black pink was recently on the colbert show and uh good morning america uh, good morning america and they've they've announced a tour and they're they're going to be at coachella anybody else going to be there perfume alexis are you going to go oh uh, coachella yeah i'm going to coachella yeah. 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 So Blackpink seems like they are the most obvious crossover. They have the most appeal to Western audiences. They've they've got that sound that that Joe was referring to, a little more hip hop, that YG sound, and of course they've got at least two. I'm kind of, I'm always sort of unclear on Lisa's English because she seems sort of reluctant to speak, but I think they pretty much got three fluent or native English speakers in the group, and they seem like an obvious, you know. Yeah, I think she's like not comfortable enough. But she, yeah. she can at least understand. Well, I think everyone in Korea like at least understands. But I mean, Lisa is a different level from Jisoo, for example. I mean, oh. I think I think she has conversational English. Yeah, for sure. For That's sure. my impression. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess Sonmi is doing a tour. Oh yeah. Did I leave anybody out? Hyolin is like teasing one. No, she's playing in London um, next week, actually. Which I mean, it's the twenty third of February, if whenever this comes out. But uh, I don't know if she's has any other European stops she probably I'm sure she'll go back to America as well I always see the my music taste um ads from Hyorin which means that she's coming usually things and then K-pop me is teasing something with pink 
So who knows? <laughs> Luna should be somewhat inevitable as well, since they, I mean, they've made that deal with Live Nation, and they seem to they've already got a few concerts under their belt. Um, so I expect, I expect them to probably be at least one KCON, and then maybe they'll do another a few shows while they're while they're in the US for that. Yeah, Luna could definitely have a show here. Yeah, it's a lot of people, but I guess I guess some of these groups are well, they don't seem to be very too budget conscious. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess that's not but, an issue with Blackbeard. Yeah. They'll 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 work very well in the concert because of experience, but also just how they're built and that they have set subunits already. They have solos, you know, and that's something that most groups oh, yeah. will do on their concerts anyway. They have more than nine songs. <laughs> which, which is, is i don't understand yeah, i mean i stand but <laughs> they could fill a coachella spot but maybe not <laughs> oh my god maybe not an actual tour and so i'm actually i'm curious as to how these concerts went for you guys because steven i know you went to omar girl and alexis obviously red velvet but i didn't actually hear and i feel like i mean that's the point of this, this show but we talk so much about the logistics and why and what they're coming but i also like to hear about how these shows went um, so Stephen, how were how my girl? Yeah, that was. I mean, that was a that was first of all a great show. I mean, they're to me they're easily a top three girl group, if not just a top three group. And they're they're well made for a concert. You know, they've they've got great choreography and some really good performers in the group. But what really struck me about the concert was, you know, I've been to a lot of concerts. This is the only concert I've ever been to where I think the audiences main concern was that the performers enjoy the concert. You know what I mean? Like I've never been to a show like that. There's beforehand, you know, people are raising money to make banners and showing up and distributing them ahead of time. And uh, there were a bunch of, Oh my girl light sticks, which I don't think they were even selling at the venue. You had to hunt them down online or there was a K-pop store and they're, yeah. they're like 50 bucks, you know, that's <laughs> not cheap. There were a bunch of homemade signs and, and people were distributing fan chant guides and all sorts of, of things. So it was a really, you know, it was almost how I imagine a, a fan meeting as much as a concert. But this was like a, like a concert, right? Like a full-blown concert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the same venue that like Teen Top and BAP played when they went to Atlanta. This is kind of the go-to mid-level K-pop place in Atlanta. That's pretty good for girl group yeah they had trouble selling tickets i I mean boy it was on Ticketmaster, and you could see every seat (laughs) and people were just you know monitoring and you know everybody was out there trying to sell tickets but it i mean somehow they got people in in some seats i don't know if they gave tickets away at the last minute uh but it was it was pretty full it didn't it wasn't you know it, it it looked fine uh and people moved down so just like the back rows that weren't lit there weren't people but yeah it was it was uh turned out all right for the california stop i thought it was a mess because a it was like it was actually in the same city where coachella is held so it's like all the way out into the desert which is two hours from la yeah i saw a lot of comment about that like what and it's a pretty big venue too right i've never been because it was at a casino and I've never yeah. been to that. Casino. I saw some pictures. It looked a lot bigger than the one in Atlanta, anyway. But I think that's because I think it was the same um, production company that did BAP, because that's where BAP yeah. was. But it was, I, it was. Because I did feel a bit like, uh, like I should go see them, and like cover their show, support like, them. 
Yeah, but then I like looked up how many hours from LA to Indio, and it was two <laughs> hours. And add traffic, yeah. like I'm sorry, oh my girl, like I'm not, I'm not th- that invested in this. But no, that's crazy. I think they did give away tickets for that show. I'm pretty sure that I saw that they they ended up. It was the same night as two other like Korean, because AOMG was that same night, and mm-hmm. a bunch of other rappers also came. And then the day before was MXM. I went to MXM, but because someone gave me tickets. Well, I won tickets on the internet. <laughs> it was funny. Nice. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I just thought that it was, I don't know. I, I actually didn't look up how it went for them in California, but it just seemed like everything was stacked against them on that particular stop. Well, I saw a lot of fan camps, including from that show, and it and they they filled that up pretty well. It looked like it was a it was a success. I mean, it, it you know they didn't sell out. They had to run around to get people in there, but uh, it wasn't a good idea. But it wasn't a disaster like it could have been. I mean, a, like seven plus years ago, people were doing that for boy groups. So why not bring a girl yeah. group and then give tickets away like it's not that big of a deal well and the ticket prices when you consider the audience i mean i saw so many people online like you know that just couldn't afford a ticket they were like 60 to 135 dollars plus you know whatever Ticketmaster puts on there which is a good 20 or 30 dollars i mean for a lot of people that's either they can't if they really want to go and they can't afford it or maybe maybe they would go but they're not going to pay 150 dollars to go yeah i mean keep up is pretty expensive it is I tend to always see with, with like tour announcements as well is that at least a few of the concerts end up yeah. being during the week as well. And I mean, we can't like blame everything on the promoters. I'm sure there are many different ways why it it is during the week, but that's like straight away, you're going to lose a, a big portion of your potential audience there. Yeah. And a lot of people came to Atlanta, I know from, I mean, including me from surrounding States and some people even flew in, you know, I mean, they, they need to draw in people from a, large area i didn't know oh my girl had that kind of fans yeah i mean they're they're out there and they were the fans who were there were great it was you know one thing i i really love the the international aspect of k-pop and the interactions and even you know even korean groups in japan i love seeing you know japanese fans just going crazy over some korean guys or korean girls who are but it was such a great atmosphere to me you've got so oh my girl they're all korean Right. And I just saw recently, I, you know, I don't want to, I may sound like I'm denigrating their language skills. They're, they're all, their Japanese is amazing. They're like, most of them seem to be conversational Japanese. And you know, they know a certain amount of other languages around Asia where they tour around and have fans. But, you know, several of them put in a lot of time to learning English. Uh, but there's, you know, in K pop concerts, there's a lot of time, I think because there's so much dancing, you know, you need a break. But, time answering questions and introductions and goodbyes and things. And, you know, just the having the members up there, you know, struggling through reading an English question or trying to answer in English or, you know, apologizing for mistakes or making it through the translator. And then the crowd is just so supportive and just loves them, you know, and the, and it's reciprocal. The, the crowd is yelling at them in horrible Korean and singing along to songs, you know, phonetically and screwing everything up. And, but it's just, you know, it's, it's such a, that's such a great environment that you don't see everywhere. That's a lot of the, the fun to the international aspect of, of K-pop to me. And I feel like we, we talk about 
the group's potentials to like meet the market yeah. in the US with the sound or whatever and they need to speak a certain level of English and like if you're a K-pop fan you know that that does not matter you know we've we've heard like many like bad versions of English um you know K-pop songs we've heard like awkward English lines in K-pop songs and it's never mattered and it's not going to matter when they're here as well so I think like stuff like that which people kind of pretend are barriers to certain groups coming over it's just it's just I mean, oh my girl, prove that that they don't exist really, and it's it's more about you know getting these groups over here and getting them like more comfortable and playing concerts. I think it's true for a lot of people, but if you if you're really trying to break through and you're going on, you know, Good Morning America or something, and you're you're hitting these these wide platforms, uh, I think it really is an advantage if you can if if you're you can speak English yeah. and interact with the hosts and things. You know, that was a that was a lucky aspect of size breakthrough, I thought, is that he actually I mean, he's a pretty funny yeah. guy. He could speak English. He could go on the shows and because yeah. he kept the ball rolling way longer than the beep beep bug guy. <laughs> well, I feel like PPAP was never like huge over here or, or in the West <laughs> anyway. It was very much a, maybe a Japanese and Korean. He Thankfully. Like, I mean, he wasn't he like on a few shows or at least referenced. Yeah. Or maybe he was more was of just, just a, like, like the strange corner of the internet I was in. Yeah, like a, the kind of he was like the clown of the show for that day or whatever. <laughs> okay, that reminds me. Which was your favorite Oh My Girl performance? Well, it's hard to it's hard to choose because they have so many great songs. But I think the one that was the best for a concert, like if you're going to compare listening to it, video concert, um, it's not it's not it's probably may not be my in my top 10 favorite Oh My Girl songs, but um, Remember Me was a really good song for a concert. You know, the theme Remember Me is nice for a concert, but it's a very upbeat song. It features Mimi a lot, who's really good live. She's the rapper. She's got a lot of personality. And then there's some dance breaks in it where Yua especially, you know, just let loose a few times. And she's, she's amazing. So... I don't even know if it's the one I enjoyed the most, but that's the one that's the, that's built for a concert, I think. I mean, I've never seen, like, a lower-tier girl group, yeah. but... I'm guessing I'm guessing it's the same thing with with male groups that it's like I really like to see boy groups that aren't that popular than rather than the super popular ones because I I like to see when you can like see in their faces when they're like actually excited to be there. Yeah. And sometimes with like with like more popular groups like they're I mean they're excited or whatever but it's like this is my job and I have to like act cool and everything. And when it's like when I saw MXM, like it was like you could see it in their they were they were definitely overwhelmed by the fans, but you could see that they were like, oh my god, we're having a show in LA. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's probably the same. Yeah, case. and Atlanta, this was their first show in the US. And I think they really were surprised that like they tried to introduce themselves and everybody would yell their names at them and uh, you know, people people knew all the songs and there was even a, a kind of a cute moment. It tells you how they don't they don't know the uh, 
the fan subculture <laughs> over here, they were, they were answering questions and uh, Jiho was, they had been at the Atlanta Aquarium the day before and had stuff on social media. So one of the audience questions was, what was your favorite thing at the aquarium? And of course her favorite thing was a shark. And so the crowd started yelling baby shark and singing it. And they, at first they couldn't, they were like, what, what are they saying? And then finally one of them got it and they, they, they sang a little verse of baby shark. But as soon as they stopped, they start, they all were looking around like, how, how do you know about that? What? <laughs> like what all these people in Atlanta know baby shark. It's like, That's Come cool. on. Yeah. Well, so Alexis, you actually got to interview Red Velvet in addition to seeing the show. How was that? And, uh, you know, what was the show like? Well, the interview happened like a week before. I had to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning because it was like nighttime for them. So I had to wake up super early to talk to them for like 10 minutes on the phone. And... (laughs) I mean, honestly, I was super out of it because I had gone to sleep and I woke up and then I went back to sleep. So I was kind of like, I was yeah, just like, tough. I just want to get through, get through this and like go back to sleep. But they were, they were so nice. Like all, I thought that I would only speak to, to Wendy, but they were all there and they were all super nice. And um, like Yeti's personality came through even in a phone call. It was a pretty um, cute experience. And the show, I have, I have like 50-50 mixed feelings about it, but that's because I'm, I'm a Velvet stan. Um, Red is tricky for me. Like some of them I like, some of them I don't. And I, and this was like, this was a Red concert. So it had its moments where I was just like, I'm not, I can't, but but it was but it was overall a pretty good show like apart from to anyone which was a very very long time ago like i hadn't seen a full concert by a girl group in a forever so it was a pretty cool experience of like them of seeing more than three or four songs from them and like getting yeah. to see their b-sides even though <laughs> that was like the thing that most upset me because i'm like i love red velvet b-sides but the b-sides on this set list are not among my favorite. <laughs> so there was a long time that I was just like sitting there like I hate the song. But it but they were but it was cool. They danced really well. They sang live a few of the songs. <laughs> and Yeah, did they switch out the mics and do Yeah, like, yeah. some songs without the backing tracks? Ballads, they definitely sang them live and like the English, you know, like RBB and Bad Boy and that kind of thing. And what I was really, I mean, I kind of expected it, but I was really surprised by the audience because it was legit like 50-50 of like guys and women. I would even say that just like by a little bit, it was more women. But you would like look around and like you couldn't really say like, oh, there's more guys or or there's more girls or anything. Like it's, it was super, super, super diverse. It was really cool to see, especially like on the- I'd say that was the same with Oh My Girl. Oh, oh, I forgot to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was really cute like when the, when the fan chants and stuff like that. And because like I've been to many K-pop shows, so with the fan chants and everything, like- like it's always like girl voice that's like doing them and this was like legit unisex like it was just like loud and there were even times that you just couldn't hear them 
um, sing because people were just screaming and and mostly singing to be honest like people like everyone was singing every song it was it was cool I I would think that I think that even the songs that are not my favorite I like to like look around and see other people and they were all just enjoying themselves yeah Yeah, I would have wanted a velvet red velvet tour instead of a red one well, they did some, didn't they do like automatic and no, some... they really? did I not. Thought I saw a fan cam of that. Maybe that was a... no, they did not. No. The only velvet songs that they did was but RBB, Bad Boy, Look, mm-hmm. that was it. Really? Oh. So, were there, I'm curious, were there, were there any special stages or costume changes or anything? Or was it a pretty quick concert? No, I mean, it wasn't like. Okay, that's another thing that I was like, oh my god, they like screwed them over. Because I mean, it's SM. And even when Shiny came, like they gave them like a good stage design and everything. And the girls like it was like it they had nothing. I think that they they brought some like bushes or something for their for their like zoo <laughs> segment. But oh, I, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Red Velvet fans. But I hated with a passion the the outfits when they they because each of them are like an animal, and they come like with these little kid. Uh, I don't know. I was just like, this is not the Red Velvet that I stand. <laughs> I mean, the fans like it. It's cute, I guess. It's just not what I personally like in a girl group. So I couldn't relate. But I, but I did think that like SM could have given them a little more money for the production. I don't know, throwing something in there. But the only special stage that I like, which is, which is my favorite um, performance of the night, is that they do like a a remix of My Second Date. They remix the song and they use it like as a dance, as a dance performance. And their dancers are just incredible. Like I want, I stand their dancers. They're awesome. But the girls did well too. Oh, I saw people talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. The dancers are amazing. And they all like, they all had like their little moment where they danced and everything. And it was pretty cool. And also the song was like the remix was pretty cool. Cause my second date, the, the original is a red song. So they kind of remixed it into like a velvet song, but then it transitioned into mosquito which I didn't understand. It's a good song. So good. I don't like it. But it was, but pre-Mosquito, that's my favorite performance of the night. And look, because it was the only Velvet B-side that they did, but yeah. Well, so Joe, you haven't participated in the girl group invasion yet this year, but you are planning to. Yeah, yeah, um, and not my happiest circumstances. Uh, although I, I will enjoy it, I'm sure. But um, Blackpink are as part of their they're doing an actual world tour, as in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. 
um, constitutes more than the world for Korea usually. But um, they're playing in London in May, and I'm I'm going to that. And yeah, I think like I I I'm not a huge fan of theirs. I think they've had maybe two good singles. You know, they don't have much else. You know, they only have a few other songs. But I do think that they'll do good. And I think that the girls themselves are great. And I'm quite a big fan of most of them. And I think they will do cool things in the future. But yeah, that'll be a good show. It'll be fun. Even if, if you know, I mean, even if not every song is your favorite, they'll they'll put on a good show. Exactly. I, I, I'm, very, I'm very fickle. Um, so like if a girl, if a group, as like a bad song, I'll just completely forget about them and not care. <laughs> but then when they come back with a good song, I'll, I'm back on board like, as if nothing had ever happened. So if I presume they will have a comeback between now and May, and I, depending on how that goes, I might get really excited for it again. You know, it's the same with like going to KCON at the time. Uh, twice we're playing, and you know, I like sort of lost interest because of like knock knock and other things. But then they released Signal, and I was like back on board. I was always the, the biggest Twice fan of, of all time. So <laughs> yeah, no, I am I am excited to see it, and just just kind of to see a big group like that. It's been it's been a while, um, um, I guess since KCON basically in two thousand seventeen. So, um, it, it's cool, and it's just cool to see really because I know they're a YG group and they're always going to do quite well. But um, to see them play um across Europe well, is very exciting. Now, do I remember that you were like out of town when Dreamcatcher came? I think I was just just back in yeah. town and I couldn't afford it I think oh yeah I think I had just gotten back from New York when I was I was staying there and then I just kind of I was slowly losing money and not making any more so I just <laughs> couldn't I couldn't make it over which was really sad because I remember as I was leaving New York I listened to them a lot and I was like okay I'm ready for when I get back I can go over um and then it never happened and now like when I think about it that would have been Dreamcatcher is like a top five you know girl group i'd like to see live now you know i think they could yeah. bring, bring a lot to a concert um but, you know i'm sure they'll come back you know and other groups will be here hopefully luna will make it over um well so if you had to pick a, a black pink song or maybe we'll even give you a, a hyoden song uh yeah <laughs> to see in concert what would that be I, i'm sure a few black pink ones we got i guess i do like as if it's your last um that'll be a good energetic thing and um i guess playing with fire is okay but i my one thought was was of a hyolin song and you know i've heard her shows i remember someone was saying that um it was, it was very leaning heavily on, on sexy which is like obviously her new thing now yeah um which could be interesting and you know she's almost as much of a dancer as she is a singer these days like cc from last year um is a song i've really grown to like and i think especially in that sort of context of the concert being like that would be a great way of like slowing things down without you know bringing them to bringing them to a complete halt it's really you know bouncy and bright and breezy and i think you know it still has really really great vocals in it which is like clearly her her best part I would like to see that if I were going. Um, although I will say I did show, watch that performance she did at the KBS Drama Awards show. Yeah, you know that one. 
the one that was all controversial because of what she was wearing. Right. And I like couldn't get through a minute of it. I thought she was really not good at all. Um, like regardless of what she was wearing. So that sort of would, would put me off actually wanting to see her anyway. Yeah, I'm not so in on this era. I mean, I feel like give her a microphone and, you know, some backing tracks and let her sing. Or... Yeah, I mean, she's just like, with Sistar, she had just such good material almost yeah. all the time. And to kind of see her, I don't know. I don't, I don't know really what she's trying to do now. It, 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 she feels, of a lot of people, that she's going for an international market in particular, which I think is a sort of mistake because if she just did ballads and on soundtracks in Korea, she'd be huge again, you know. That would like take her like one song and she'd be top of the charts within minutes. But maybe that's not what she wants to oh, do. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't like what she's doing. So so there I know. Alright, there you go. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and I was not a Sistar fan. I never no. I didn't understand that. But now the new hearing stuff yeah, is like okay. growing on me. Because since that one song with Seiko, I was like, okay, R&B is what she should be doing. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the one with Zico, but she had one collab that was so good. That's probably, it's probably the same one you're talking about. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, but Zico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was Dark really good, Panda? actually. Yes. Is that I forgot about that. Okay, maybe I'm wrong, but... All right, guys. Well, are we ready to move on to our unmuted K-pop picks? I think so, yeah. Let's do it. Well, my pick for the week is the newly debuted JYP girl group Itzy, Dala Dala. Yeah. I wa- didn't want to get my hopes up with Itzy because I with the teaser pictures, like I thought I really liked the styling and I felt that the vibe was my style. But, you know, I but yeah, I didn't want to get my hopes up because then the the teasers for the music video they sounded completely different and i actually i don't know why i thought it was going to be like a rock song and i am not a big rock fan so i was like oh no don't do the emo thing please don't do the emo thing so when the actual song came out i wasn't like living my best life with a song but i liked it enough i like the 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 genre changes i think that's interesting even though Joe called me out on it, but I think that they dance enough to say that they dance and they don't just like stand there doing hand gestures. But I liked it. It's fun and I'm interested to see what's next for them. Because they didn't, it's just a song, right? They didn't release a mini, right? There's a B side. Oh, I haven't. Yeah. And that, that has a little bit of a, part of it has a little bit of a punk pop. It, it sounds like it's going to be totally different. I think maybe the intro, maybe that's where some of the sound, they stole something from that that you heard. There is that one line that, I don't know if it's in the Korean or is, I don't know why that's how they translate it, but it says something that, oh, they look at me and they say I'm a punk. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, it's funny that it was an issue that about the dancing because my thought about this group before they debuted certainly was that they're just loaded with dancers. Uh, were they from different like a survival? Yeah, I mean shows? they've got uh, you know the sisters that were on K-pop 
star, and uh, one of them is left as in an eye zone. Oh, oh, they're from Cape. I don't know any. Well, her about her them. sister stayed at JYP, and then there's uh, one of the girls was on Mix Nine, was a great dancer, and there's another one who was on some some survival show who was, uh, you know, considered really good. Are any of them twice regents? Yeah, Chair. I'm gonna screw up her name, but Chair Young, the the little sister. Um, I think she was in that, or was just one of the sisters in in sixteen. Um, Young definitely was it. I don't know if her sister was on. I can't remember. I feel like she was. I remember there being a thing about sisters. Yeah, I thought she was, but I think she would be the only one. Yeah, I mean they have the the like the dance break and the other stuff, but. Like they just, I, I think they do exactly what Alexis says they don't do, which is just kind of stand there and they sort of ha- roll their arms around or something. I prefer rolling than just um, like signaling. <laughs> but like, like compared to what Twice does, I think it's it's nowhere near as good. I mean, Twice have a couple of years in their belt, so it's not very fair. But you know, I think there are that this style automatically makes think people think they'll be good at dancing. And then maybe they move a little bit faster, but I don't think it's any way interesting. Well, especially with the song as well, which I, yeah. I, I, I like. I see you see people comparing it to "I Got a Boy" or whatever, and I just I don't hear it in any sense. It's really just completely unengaging to me. Um, and the only really the major genre shift they do is basically stolen from Momo Land. The sort of trap. You know what? Thing, I did think about which, that. You know, I, I yeah, yeah, and I'm like. If you're stealing from Momo Land, it's just you're not in a good place. No, so, Momo uh, Land is so good. <laughs> this is plus the chorus in this song is so is really good. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought it's maybe the only redeeming quality. Well, I liked it because yeah. it's way sassier than anything. That way, way more than Momo Land. <laughs> that's for sure. They they yeah, do have yeah, that I mean, chant like chant like um, verse that's very. Twice, like from what was her debut? Ua, the yeah, yeah, they yeah. have that same thing that I was saying. Oh, do, do you really need that in there? But I mean, it is what it is. There's too much chanting going on these days, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. So, speaking of which, my pick is you may think it's obvious, but I've actually never picked a Dreamcatcher song for my unmuted K pop pick. Uh, they just came out with Petey, which is uh, like a Korean flute, I guess. And that song starts out sort of with a chant, but they do it right. Uh, there's a lot of attitude with it. The rhythm is compelling and there's, you know, some backing vocals and things. It's not just like marking time. Like I feel like a lot of these chants are, but I really like this song when I, I, I kind of got a little overexcited when I first heard it. I thought maybe it was the best dream catcher single and i went back and i think good night probably is still better but this is right up there as a as a really good um dream catcher song there's so many different vocal styles and musical you know it's not really a mashup of different genres i would say but there's there's the chanting part there's there's quiet you know soft singing over piano there's a really bombastic fun chorus and the rap, you know, again, usually I'm not a fan of the rap, but I think the rap works really well in this. And it's really, it's funny. This is the first song where their Makne Gayon raps, and she's really good. 
You know, so like one of my favorite girl groups now has three rappers, which is an upset. I never thought that would happen. Talking about the rappers, Dami has really centered herself in their songs and made herself um, really, really important to, to what they do. And I think her, she'd like, I mean, you, you said they give it the main rap to the, the younger one, but her smaller parts in between yeah. really like quite, like they give the song an added depth and not just because her voice is so deep, but like it, it, it adds a, a, a level of, um, I don't know, punch. You know, everything she does feels so strong and, and almost, you know, so serious and angry, but um, it, it kind of adds, it gives their creepy sort of um, theme a layer of darkness or something that, that, that makes it hit so much, so much better. Yeah, I think they mix her in a lot better than they've done in some of the other songs. I, I agree with you. It, that really works. Um, yeah, she's, she's, she's growing really well. I do think that Dreamcatcher is one of the girl groups who could definitely hold a show and like a mini tour in the U.S., especially because when they came for KCON and they had that one meet and greet or fan meeting um, in L.A. and a lot of people showed up for that. And yeah. I was told that it was pretty cool and that the girls were super engaging and like that it was like a really like a great experience. So I think that they definitely... I mean, not holding shows at like really big venues, but definitely some of the smaller clubs, they could definitely sell that in a few cities. Well, and I think the company is really on board with that there. I saw a, a translated article that talked about how they were focusing on international audiences, which the article didn't actually say that, but that you, you may be familiar with headlines that don't exactly match yeah, the article, exactly. uh, Alexis, but... Uh, apparently they're putting that message out there. And obviously part of their business model is that because they're really touring internationally a lot. And the one thing I forgot to mention is uh, you all may know they were in the on the same label as uh, like Dal Shabet, Happy Face Entertainment. Oh, it's that. They, they have changed it to Dreamcatcher Company. There's no longer Happy Face Entertainment. Is, are they their only artists? You know, that's a good question. Because <laughs> I mean, they may be, but even if they are, you wouldn't. I mean, that's quite a commitment there. Yeah, good for Dreamcatcher. I also think that, like, if a girl group invasion is to truly happen, and like, like, I'll believe that it's happening is when groups like Dreamcatcher become a bit more regular and promoting. You know, the way that boy groups like ATs or whoever can start touring within a year of existing. You know. And, you know, maybe groups like the one I'm about to talk about will get on tours in the future. Um, that's when I'll, I'll fully believe it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so my pick um, is the great rookie group. We got many mentions recently um, in our end-of-year thing, Neon Punch, in their second single, TikTok. I think it's it's quite cool to see um, an early group building on the, their original sound. You know, I think... It's, it kind of it can go really both ways, and that a group sticks almost too tightly to something that they they know and they can they feel like they can deal with. This particular sort of housey kind of disco sound of Moonlight um, was pretty distinct for Neon Punch, and they've built on that with TikTok with a 
still kind of heavy disco theme, but like everything is very dancey. I think they can sort of use this as a base to kind of further shift what they're going to do within their entire body of work. And as well as with the song, which kind of has a lot of the different shifts, you know, when I like think about this compared to Dala Dala, this is like the genre shifting, the, the kind of more interesting changing of structure type thing that, you know, I, I fell in love with K-pop for, you know, this kind of, it, it relies on a kind of, you know, dancey disco drum beat, but as in with like glitzy guitars that help smooth out these like, you know, deep bassy synth in the chorus and kind of dubstep, you know, flourishes here and there. And yeah, so all of these things just make it so exciting for me in a time where I'm not really enjoying a lot that's coming out. Um, but this just kind of keeps Yeah, Neon Punch are, could potentially be like a slow burn popular group. I think they've got a bit of, you know, critic um, support over in the West um, and they're still going strong. I'm not excited. I don't think I'm excited for them because I don't think it really happened. These rookie groups kind of tend to stay stay in their lane for too long, but I, I, I'm quietly optimistic for what they can do in the future. I'm really rooting for them to survive because I, I really liked Moonlight and this song is is great too. It's so much fun. I I had a there was a period of time when that was the first thought in my head every morning was there no 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 no. So it almost seems like cheating, but I mean everybody should, you know, if you can make a song that catchy and fun, just go ahead and do it. We need more of that. And they're they're great live as well, actually. Um if you can see them in like the music shows where they actually have to sing live. They have a couple of great ones of Moonlight where the, the lead singer is just like absolutely belting out her lines, yeah. which is something you, you rarely get to see. I feel like a lot of new groups definitely are pretty cautious with kind of live singing, but you know they're really, really going for it. And it, it bodes well, I think. So that is it for our um, discussion of this possible girl group invasion, or re-girl group invasion of, uh, of the US and Western countries. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to listen. You can catch us on you know, our usual uh, sites uh, like SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, um, Google Play. Uh, you'll find us at coldscene.com and uh, at Twitter at uh, forward slash coldscene and Twitter forward slash kpop unmuted. Um, I'm Joe and you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Captain Joe Hook. Stephen, where can they find you? On Twitter, I am at Tennessee Appeal. Uh, Alexis? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at H-O-E underscore D-O-Y-A-N. It's the, yeah, the greatest uh, Twitter and Instagram handle that I've ever seen. It, I, I, it brings me <laughs> yeah, a lot of joy every time I see it. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so thanks for listening. You know, Make sure to, to watch out for the next episode. And again, um, thank you to Scott and Toronto for, for kind of editing this episode again. Thank you. Goodbye.